Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Dave, three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspire us. Rocktail Hour is now an affiliate of Amazon.com. If you're going to buy stuff on Amazon anyway, we'd appreciate it if you'd first click on the Amazon.com link on the Rocktail Hour homepage or affiliates page, and Amazon will kick a few bucks back to us to help fund the free podcast. Today, Dave is going to tell us the story behind Crossroad Blues by Robert Johnson. All right. I am looking forward to talking about Robert Johnson today. And my guess is that we might have a contingency amongst our listeners that may not be familiar with who Robert Johnson is. Shame. We're here to shame them. Yes. <laughs> I'm shaming everyone. If you don't know who Robert Johnson is, you need to go to your local community college and take a rock and roll 101 class, history of rock or something. And I'm not joking when I say that. <laughs> you need to do that. Robert Johnson is a critical uh, foundation of both blues and rock and roll. And I'll explain the bridge into rock and roll a little bit later. But before we talk about this song, Crossroad Blues, let's talk about him and his life and his death. So Robert Johnson was born on May 8th in 1911 in Hazelhurst, Mississippi. So he was literally born into the Delta Blues, and he became a legendary blues guitarist, singer, songwriter, and he influenced generations and generations and generations of musicians throughout the entire 20th century. And now into the 21st century, his influence is still being felt, and we'll go into that. So the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, by the way, included four of his songs in a set of 500 songs that were deemed to shape the genre of rock and roll broadly. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, although he was one of the, quote, kings of the Delta Blues singers, he was a cornerstone of rock and roll. So without Robert Johnson and a few other guys like him, rock and roll today would be very, very, very different. Uh, maybe even unrecognizable. And maybe that sounds like hyperbole, but I don't think it is. So he was one of the first inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1986 due to his enormous impact on rock music. Uh, In fact, he was so far ahead of his time that at that point in time, the Wall Street Journal wrote that he has a song called Stop Breaking Down Blues. And they said, quote, that song was so far ahead of its time that the song could easily have been a rock demo cut in 1954. And so he recorded all of his 29 landmark songs in Texas in 1936 and 1937. So, again, he predates rock and roll by almost two decades. Right, right. And he was, uh, like like I said, way ahead of his time. So we'll talk about his influence on kind of the classic rock guys here in a second. There's an interesting thing about him. He lived a really shadowy life, and because of the time of the time when he was born, everything was really poorly documented, and that's given rise to a lot of mystery surrounding him and his life and even his death. One of the myths and legends about him is the story of him selling his soul to the devil at the crossroads. It's classic. It's a classic <laughs> rock and roll story, and it emanates and starts with him. And that was an exchange for otherworldly talent and, in particular, great guitar skills. So it's interesting to study a little bit about his history. One, he's almost like a musical Vincent Van Gogh in the sense that he was a musical genius of his time. But his music never sold well, and his influence among other musicians was minimal during his lifetime. Huh. Right. So in 1961, which was um, decades and decades after his death, there was a compilation of recordings called the King of the Delta Blues Singers. And Robert Johnson's recordings were part of that, 
Well, Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones gets a hold of this album, The King of the Delta Blues Singers, and he shares it with Keith Richards, who had never heard it. And upon hearing Robert Johnson play and sing for the first time, Keith's first response was, who's the other guy playing with him? (laughs) Not realizing that this was before the days of multi-track recording. This was Robert Johnson, him, his guitar, his slide uh, bottleneck guitar, and his vocals sitting in a room being recorded with a couple mics or with a mic. So Keith Richards went on to say, quote, I was hearing two guitars and it took a long time to actually realize he was doing it all by himself. Robert Johnson was like an orchestra all by himself, end quote. So he floored Keith and he floored a lot of these uh, kind of foundational classic rock guys. And we'll again talk about that here in a little bit more detail. One interesting thing to note is this was before the days of multi-track recording. Do you know who invented multi-track recording? When was it? Oh, actually, great question. I want to say it was in the 30s or 40s. I don't know the year, but it was. it's not a rock guy oh. necessarily, but it kind of is a rock guy in some sense. Les Paul. Oh, cool. So you know a Les Paul guitar? That's named after Les Paul, obviously. He was uh, the, the inventor of multi-track recording. Robert Johnson was way before that. So if you go listen to him, it's a real old, kind of scratchy type of recording. Um, not very good sound quality, but it's just him, a little bit haunting with him and his guitar. There's even some rumors and speculation that somehow in the editing or the mixing process, he the recording was kind of sped up because if you listen to his 29 songs, it's a little a little bit nasally. It might sound a little bit quicker. So they're wondering if maybe we don't have the exact recordings preserved. Oh, interesting. Um, as they were originally recorded. But anyway, he's widely accepted now as a master of the blues guitar and one of the all-time greats on the instrument, and I would certainly be in that camp of people who believe that. His approach was really complex, and he incorporated styles not only of the Delta blues, but Chicago, St. Louis blues, along with country, jazz, pop. Uh, he is not your one-trick pony blues player. He was so far ahead of his time, as, as we're now ta- we're going to talk about here in a second. And so. it's pretty amazing he did all that in 29 tracks. 29 tracks, all by himself, and relatively obscure and unknown for his time. Amazing. So blues historians regard him as being well ahead of his time musically and a lyrical genius from a songwriting perspective. Um, you know, it's interesting to think about rock music, by the way. Most of the rock music, and I'm a huge Led Zeppelin fan. I grew up idolizing Jimmy Page growing up. These guys all stole wholeheartedly from these Absolutely. blues players. Most of them just started as blues bands. Yeah, they started as blues bands. And unfortunately, even guys like Zeppelin, Page, and Plant took songwriting credits. And they were lifting lyrics directly from Willie Dixon, from Robert Johnson, uh, Sunhouse. I mean, it was the, the, the kind of musical plagiarism was just almost ridiculous. <laughs> but these guys were really foundational. They were the originals. And I saw actually an Eric Clapton concert. For, um, I saw him twice, actually, one at the Forum and one at the House of Blues uh, from his From the Cradle album. I don't know if you I saw that twice. Album. Yeah, I saw that tour twice in D.C. Oh, did you really? Loved you saw it. the same one. Absolutely. So you remember what Clapton was wearing? No. Yeah, so he had on all white through the whole tour. Oh, okay. He had on a white shirt. He had on a white pants. And it was almost kind of like he looked like an angel on stage a little <laughs> bit. But in the background of that concert, you might recall, he has all these images flashing up of all the great blues legends, Robert Johnson being yeah, some of them. Yeah. And that whole album called From the Cradle is like, hey, we all come from these guys. Everything that Clapton was, he knew he owed 100% 
to these foundational blues players, Robert Johnson being the first and the foremost of all those guys. He's always been great about attributing his influences to the blues. He absolutely has. Yeah, much better and much more pure than Page and Plant. <laughs> he was not nearly the plagiarist that those guys were. He at least you know gave credit where credit was due. Did you did you uh, hear the album or see the TV program about Clapton recording the Robert Johnson songs? I did. I was going to mention that. Me and Mr. Johnson. Yes. yes. Yeah, that was good stuff. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, Eric Clapton, it's cool what he does with that is he pays homage to, to Johnson by recording similar to how Robert Johnson did with it's just Clapton, his voice, and his guitar sitting in a room alone playing. Didn't he find the same house, too? I think that he tried to find the same place where Robert Johnson recorded. In Texas. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, it was. it's a great video documentary. I don't know if it's a movie or a video documentary, but it's a, it's a, it's a great album and a great documentary on, yep. on Clapton really paying homage to Robert Johnson. And then he brings in a whole band for a couple other songs, and like he orchestrates these Robert Johnson songs that are kind of just like in skeletal form on mm -hmm. Robert Johnson's recordings, and he fleshes them out with a whole band, and man, they come alive. It's brilliant. It is brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that. that was, that's on my list to talk about, so that's great. Uh, so let's talk about the folklore behind Robert Johnson. Uh, you know, and some of the mystery that I referenced earlier, because very little is known about his life. There's even contradictions amongst among the official records on his birth date, the schools he attended. There's two marriage licenses on the county records for him. There's only three authenticated photos of him in existence. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Blue scholars expect that there's others, but that kind of adds to this mystique and mystery. And um, that mystery has given rise to lots of speculation and legend about both of, both his life and his death. So let's talk about this legend of selling his soul to the devil, right? Which is really goes hand in hand with blues folklore, and it even seeps its way into what people believe Jimmy Page and Definitely. Robert Plant and all those guys did, which is actually silly. But probably the most classic story in all of rock history, yeah. I think. You sell your soul to the devil in exchange for extraordinary talent, and then the devil comes later to collect his own. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so let's go down that. And this um, kind of Faustian legend, as, as you'd refer to it, has its roots in Robert Johnson as it relates to blues and to rock and roll. So he, Robert Johnson was a young man living on a plantation in rural Mississippi. And at a young age, he developed a deep desire to become a master Mississippi Delta blues musician. So legend has it that he was instructed by someone to go take his guitar to the crossroads at midnight. And there's actually, I, I can't remember where, but there's two different locations where local cities have now claimed that this is the crossroads where Robert Johnson went. And this cool. is what he was singing about in Crossroad Blues. And there's some dispute over which one is the correct one. But anyway, the legend has it that he goes to the crossroads at midnight and he's met there by a very large black man who was the devil incarnate in human form. Uh, this, this devil took Robert Johnson's guitar, tuned it, and played a couple songs on it and gave it back to Robert Johnson along with a mastery of the instrument in exchange for Robert Johnson committing his soul to this devil incarnate guy. <laughs> All right, so um, here's how that legend, which you know, I'll say all that all it is is a myth and a legend, uh, in my personal opinion. But what uh, what gave somewhat credibility to that is this: so Sunhouse was a contemporary of Robert Johnson, uh, also a master blues musician, and he was older than Johnson, and he had moved to Robinsonville, uh, Mississippi, in 1929, and remembered seeing Robert Johnson there as kind of a young kid, and he said, "quote." I saw him as a little boy who was a who was competent at harmonica, but an embarrassingly bad guitarist. 
unquote. All right, so he says, after that, soon after, Johnson left Robinsonville, Mississippi, and moved to Marinsville as he was supposedly trying to seek out his birth father. So he sits in, Mar- Robert Johnson goes to Marinsville for a while where he learned to gu- learn guitar with another blues player by the name of Ike Zimmerman, who was rumored to have learned to play the guitar supernaturally by visiting graveyards at midnight. <laughs> So the rumor is that maybe Robert Johnson learned about kind of the supernatural guitar playing ability from this Ike Zimmerman character. So when Robert Johnson returns later to Robinsonville just a couple months later, Sunhouse recalls him as having mastered the instrument and having this miraculous guitar technique. Wow. In just a couple of months. In just a couple of months. So that's what gives rise to this legend, right? It's Sunhouse himself. And so way after Johnson's work, after Johnson was dead and after his his collection of 29 songs had made him a household name in blues and rock and roll, Sunhouse was interviewed about Robert Johnson, and he basically told this whole story. And everyone said, oh, my gosh, that's how he did it. It was this magical thing, (laughs) right? Uh, So there's this guy named Bill Ferris who's a musical journalist, and he had the following to say. Quote, the blues and the blues singer has really special powers over women, especially. It is said that the blues singer could possess women and have any woman they wanted. And so when Robert Johnson came back, having left his community as an apparently mediocre musician with a clear genius in his guitar style and lyrics, people said he must have sold his soul to the devil. And that fits in with this old African association with the crossroads where you find wisdom. You go down to the crossroads to learn. And in this case, to learn in a Faustian pact with the devil, you sell your soul to become the greatest musician in history, end quote. So Robert Johnson's untimely death only added to the mystery and folklore around him. So he died on August 16th, 1938, and the cause of his death officially is still unknown, and even the exact location of his gravesite is still officially unknown. And the theories around his death are based on the circumstances that surround it. So one of the kind of more widely beheld, widely believed stories is that he was poisoned by a jealous husband of a girl with whom he was flirting. Uh-huh. So Sonny Boy Williamson, another contemporary blues artist of Robert Johnson, tells tells the story of being in a bar with Robert Johnson while he was flirting with this woman. And this guy comes up and gives Robert Johnson some whiskey to drink. And he tells Robert, hey, don't drink the whiskey. But Robert refused and insisted on drinking it. He got sick and his condition worsened over three days. And three days later, he eventually died in a, quote, convulsive state of severe pain. (laughs) Wow. So there was a blues historian named Robert McCormick who claimed to have tracked down the man that killed Robert Johnson and got an unofficial confession, but he never released the guy's name. Wow. Yeah. So I remember I read a story of uh, someone who had seen Robert Johnson as he was in his last throes of death and pain, and they said that they saw him crawling across the dirt in the middle of a road foaming at the mouth like a rabid dog wow. dying this convulsive horrific death oh, I mean, there's yuck. all these there's all these great stories that get passed around and who knows how legitimate they are but yeah, it's yeah. uh it, it's pretty interesting here's the other interesting thing robert johnson is thought of widely as being a founding member or even the founding member of the 27 club have you heard of what the 27 club is never have no the 27 club is a list of rock stars who have all died at the age of 27. Oh, okay. Okay. And we talked a little bit about this in The Doors. Yep, Jim Morrison. In The Doors one, right? So Jim Morrison is a member of the club. This is a club you don't want to be a part of. But listen to the names of the guys in the club. It's actually pretty uncanny. 
So you have Robert Johnson, and by the way, this is these are just the well-known ones. There's actually a list that's you know probably 50 people long, but these are the most well-known ones in the 27 Club. Robert Johnson first, Brian Johnson of the Stones, Alan Wilson of Canned Heat, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain, and Amy Winehouse. Wow! All died at age 27. That's amazing. Yeah, so there's something about rock stars dying at young ages that uh, seems a little bit more than coincidental, I guess, if you want to believe that kind of stuff. It's pretty interesting. Let's go into the song Crossroad Blues. So this was written and recorded by Johnson in the Delta Blues style, and he's playing slide bottleneck guitar. And and the song tells the story of a man who goes to the crossroads and falls on on his knees asking the Lord to save him, more particularly asking him to save, quote, poor Bob, if you please. He talks in the song about trying to flag a ride, but everyone passes him by as the sun is going down, so he's kind of trapped out there in the crossroads. And he says, poor Bob is sinking down along with the sun. In the middle of the song, he calls out to his friend Willie Brown. And he says, you can run, you can run. Tell my friend boy, Willie Brown, that I got the crossroad blues this morning. Lord, babe, I'm sinking down. That is an interesting deal in in the sense that there's this movie called Crossroads. And it's a movie from 1986 with Ralph Macchio. Have you seen that, by the way, by the chance? So Crossroads is a movie with Ralph Macchio. And he plays this character of this highly gifted and talented classical guitar player, but with an underlying deep passion for the blues. And he's learning at this classical guitar academy. He's a star, but he keeps weaving in all of these blues songs into his classical playing, and he ticks off all the teachers, and he (laughs) becomes somewhat of an outcast. Anyway, he happens to to stumble across this old a man named Willie Brown. And he says, oh my gosh, this is the guy that Robert Johnson was calling out to in his song Crossroad Blues. And Robert, and obviously Willie Brown by now is like this really old, decrepit man. And turns out that Willie Brown had also sold his soul to Satan. And <laughs> Willie Brown convinces Ralph Macchio that, hey, if you take me down to the Mississippi Delta, I can help you find Robert Johnson's elusive, mysterious 30th, mysterious 30th song that was never recorded. No kidding. I know where to get it. So Ralph Macchio follows him down. But really what this, what Willie Brown's doing is going back to the crossroads where he can meet the devil and try to bargain for his soul to come back. But he needs Robert Johnson or he needs, sorry, he needs um, Ralph Macchio to take him there. So anyway, it ends with um, him getting his soul back and Ralph Macchio doing these dual guitars with the, <laughs> with, with the devil's, the devil incarnate's big studly guitar player. Anyway, it's a, it's a funny movie, but it, the whole movie is based around this kind of, this myth around Robert Johnson. Yeah, yeah. So the song itself, Crossroad Blues, it has been popularized and covered by several artists, including Elmore James, great blues legend, and most notably by Cream in their live performance in 1968. Classic. Oh, yeah. Classic Cream song. And Clapton kind of renamed it. The, the name of Johnson's version is Crossroad Blues, three words. Clapton, his version is just called Crossroads, all one word. You know, I, I heard uh, that when Cream recorded that song, Clapton said that his vocals were just a little bit behind the music. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So if you listen to it, it sounds like he's always trying to catch up to the, to the music. And so it wasn't necessarily on purpose. He was just saying that the music was going at such a pace that I couldn't really... I think he just couldn't catch up to it or something. I've, I've heard him say that. It's, I wish I could remember exactly. Oh, that's very interesting. I mean, if you listen to that, I almost... If it weren't Clapton, I would almost think like, ah, they just overdubbed those guitar solos because they are so good. Yeah, so fast. You know, he's just flying. So fast, such great energy. 
and uh, and so tight and clean. And there's, I mean, Clapton is just so unique in his ability to play blues. He was just such, he's such a great specialist in in kind of blues and turning it into rock. So. I think I must have read that in his autobiography, maybe. Oh, did you? That he was trying to catch up with the vocals, yeah. Yeah, which, by the way, is a great autobiography. I don't remember him saying that in that, but I I, I got, I, I read that thing, too, and it's a great autobiography if you're a Clapton fan. Uh, so just uh, to finish up, a few accolades on the song. Um, the song itself was inducted into the Blues Foundation Hall of Fame. In 1998, it received a Grammy Hall of Fame award. Um, so think about that. I mean, the guy wrote it and recorded it in 30, 1937, and here you are in 1998 receiving a Grammy for it. Uh, Cream's version of Crossroads was placed at number three on the list of greatest guitar songs of all time. Wow, that is amazing. I wonder if they ever recorded that in the studio. I don't recall Cream ever having a studio version of that that I've heard. I don't think there is. There are multiple live versions, but the one that we all know and the one that you hear on the radio or you've heard, that's um, that's clearly the, the quintessential modern version of Crossroads for sure. Yeah. Um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inducted four of Robert Johnson's songs in a list of 500 songs that shaped the genre of rock and roll. I think I mentioned that at the beginning. And it's just interesting to note that he recorded all 29 of those songs a decade and a half before the recognized advent of rock and roll, right? And so he was so far ahead of his time. Yeah. So I really cannot overstate the influence that he had on the Stones, on Hendrix, on Zeppelin, on Clapton. Um, I was going to talk a little about the Me and Mr. Johnson album, which we already did. But um, as I see it, and I think each one of these artists, like you know, guys like Page and, and Hendrix, if you were alive to talk, or Clapton, would echo the sentiment that they would not be be who they are. They would not have written the songs that they wrote in the way and the manner in which they did. In fact, they wouldn't have had anything to steal from in, in many regards, if not for Robert Johnson. So again, he's uh, uh, certainly a colorful and interesting character in rock and blues history. And again, really foundational to everything that we love and, and appreciate about rock and roll. So that's Robert Johnson, Crossroad Blues. Thank heavens for Robert Johnson selling his soul to the devil. <laughs> <laughs> a little irony there. And Thank Evans. Thank yeah. Well, you can listen to a clip from the song on iTunes by clicking on the album link on the Rocktail Hour website. Please email us at dudes at rocktailhour.com if you think we got it all wrong, if you have an interesting rock tale of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that would be a good subject for Rocktail Hour. If you think we're lame, please keep that to yourself. Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter and rate us on iTunes. Until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on. 